Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you, choir, and thank you for our praise team, and thank all of you for taking part in worship this morning. And so, I hope you uh, singing from your heart and praying from your heart, and you had a special connection with God this morning, and you still do. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. We want to look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And this morning I want to share a sermon that I've simply entitled Shepherd the Flock of God. Shepherd the Flock of God. I've studied now the ESV Bible uh, translation and that was the heading at the top of the ESV. And so uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the ESV version this morning. I believe it will be easy for you to follow along. That, those words would be printed on the screen, but your copy of God's Word I'm sure will be... Uh, very similar. So this morning we want to we want to leave temporarily the book of Jude, uh, that that one chapter book, twenty five verses, and we want to leave it just temporarily, and we want to go to First Peter chapter five, and we'll look at verses one through five, because in the coming weeks we will uh, focus on preparing for the beginning of our new church year, that begins on September the first. And so last week in your announcement sheet, and even today's announcement sheet, and then the weeks to follow, you're going to be encouraged to fill out a little, a little orange Mountain View Baptist Church a ministry team form. You can pick those up uh, at the Welcome Center. There's a basket there for you to, to return them. But when God saved you, and when God saved me, He gave us spiritual gifts. And the purpose for those spiritual gifts was to take those spiritual gifts and to use them to serve the local church. And so with your spiritual gifts, coupled with your natural abilities, that will allow God to use you, use me, to build up and to edify Mountain View Baptist Church, our faith family. Now, keep, please keep in mind that God did not only save you, to give you eternal life and a home in heaven, but he also saved you where you can serve the church until you get to heaven. And so let me encourage you to realize this morning, if you haven't already, as a born-again believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, he, ex he expects us to serve in the body, to be a part of the body, where the body can be edified and built up. This morning I want to read, uh, let's look, if you will, at verses 1 through 5, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. Peter says, So I exalt the elders among you as a fellow elder, a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Then he says this, he says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercise and oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, 
with humility toward one another. God, for God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I heard a preacher quote Chuck Schwindel recently about ministry. And he said this, and I quote Chuck Schwindel, Ministry is imperfect shepherds leading imperfect sheep to serve a perfect God who has a perfect plan. Let me say that again. Chuck Schwindel, quote, Ministry is imperfect shepherds leading imperfect sheep to serve a perfect God who has a perfect plan. Man, when I heard that statement, I thought, wow, that sounds just like Mountain View Baptist Church. Because let me admit, to begin with, you have an imperfect shepherd. Now, I do appreciate no amens at that point. You're very kind. But you do. You're aware of that. I'm aware of it. I'm aware that I'm an imperfect person. No doubt, like I said, you've noticed that already because over the years you've been willing to forgive me for some of my imperfections, for my mess-ups, and for my slip-ups. I have I've announced baby showers when they're supposed to be bridal showers, and I've about, I've announced bridal when they're supposed to be in baby, and I've, I've really had some bad slip-ups. But you understand I'm an imperfect pastor, and you've been willing to forgive me, and you've been willing to tolerate me, and you've been willing to accept me. And I pray this morning that I'll be able to forgive you as you forgive me, because we're all imperfect. Now, Peter is writing to some Christians who are suffering and what is now modern Turkey, but during that period of time, it was a place called Asia Minor. However, in the last part of this letter, chapter 5, he's going to talk about how shepherds should face suffering, and he's going to conclude chapter 5 in how the sheep should face suffering. So now, if you would, verse 1 through 5, Keep in mind that verse 1 through 5 deals with the responsibility as an elder slash pastor slash under-shepherd slash overseer. So first, notice in verse 1, he says, So I exhort the elders. I exhort the elders. So first, the, the shepherd, the elder slash pastor slash uh, shepherd, uh, pastor, overseer, the shepherd leads the flock. So he says, I exhort the elders among you. He used the word elders. So that word elder is the first title that's given pastors. In the Old Testament, an elder was referred to because he was a mature person. He, he was thought to be a, a, a wise person. He was a person of discernment. And he was referred to as an elder. In the New Testament, an elder is a teacher, an elder is a preacher, an elder is a pastor, elder is an over, uh, overseer, an elder is a shepherd. Therefore, if we take this letter that Peter's writing, if we take it to heart for us today, this letter is written to me as the shepherd, as the pastor, the preacher, 
the elder, the under-shepherd, the overseer. And so he exhorts the elder, preacher, pastor, overseer, and he gives his credentials. Peter says, if you'll notice, verse 1, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. Peter said, I'm just like you. I'm an elder. I'm a pastor. I'm an I'm a under-shepherd. I'm just like you. I'm like you. By the way, if Peter was the first pope, this would have been a good place for him to say, hey, I'm the pope. And I'm the leader of the universal church. But you see, he didn't say that. Because you see, there's no pope. There's no leader. Well, there is a leader of the universal church. It's not the pope, but the leader of the universal church is none other than Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. He's the leader of the church. So there's no pope of the church. Jesus, (laughs) he's the leader of the church. And then secondly, notice there's a responsibility as the elder pastor under shepherd overseer. Look at verse 2. He says, uh, first, notice verse 1, a fellow elder, a witness of the sovereigns of Christ as well as a partaker. He kindly gives his uh, credentials. He says, I'm an elder. And then he says, I'm, I'm a witness of the sufferings of Christ. I'm a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed. But he didn't say he was the pope, or he didn't say he was the key leader of the church. And so, secondly, he gives a responsibility. Look at verse 2. He says, shepherd. He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercise and oversight. So he says, shepherd the flock of God. Shepherd the flock of God that is, that you're, that you're taking care of, that is among you. So you have three terms, I hope you've learned them now, three terms at least for, for the pastor. You have an elder, you have a shepherd, you have that person that's oversights where we get the word overseer for the pastor slash shepherd and then also an overseer. We'll talk about that in a moment. Exercise and oversight. So you have three terms, elder, shepherd, and then an overseer. So the point is a shepherd has three jobs. A shepherd, the pastor, the preacher, the, the, the under-shepherd, the, the one that's the overseer. We have three jobs. We're to feed the sheep, we're to lead the sheep, and we're to protect the sheep. That's our job. That's our responsibility given in the word of God. Feed the sheep, lead the sheep, protect the sheep. Now the shepherd has oversight. Now that word oversight comes from the Greek word episkopos. It's where we get the English word episcopalian, episcopal. And episcopal means overseer. The word overseer means a, a bird's eye view. Literally a bird's eye view. It's overlooking overlooking, just flying, just overlooking, overlooking the entire flock. It's, it's taking care of keeping up with your flock. Now, that's hard to do at times. But that's a charge given to the pastor, shepherd, overseer, elder. So he speaks to the elders next about their attitude. Here's your responsibility. Now, let's look at their attitude. He gives, in this passage... In verse uh, 2 and 3, he gives, he gives three not-but statements. See if you can see them. Look at verse 3. 
He says, uh, in ver- well, look at verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercise in oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but believing about, but being examples to the flock. And so he has those three not, but statements. So he's talking about their attitudes in three different areas. He's talking about my attitude in regards to ministry. He says, don't do it out of duty, but do it out of delight. It, it, I should, I delight in what I do. It, I admit it gets tiresome at times, but I really enjoy doing what I do. And he says, elders, preachers, pastors, under shepherds, you need to do what you do, not because it's a duty, but because you just enjoy doing it. You, you delight. And then he says, not for compulsion. He says, uh, not for shameful gain. Don't do it for money. Don't do it for money. You know, a long time ago, you, you never thought that ministry would be a way for a person to, to make a, a large sum of money, but now you have all these charlatans out there, and a lot of them are, are getting pretty wealthy. And he says, listen, that's not the reason you do what you're doing, so you better be careful, because we've been talking about apostates uh, in Jude. Not everybody uh, that that has received the word of God has received the Lord Jesus Christ. So you have to be careful. So he says, ministry, don't do it out of duty. Do it out of duty. Uh, don't do it out of duty, but do it out of delight and money, not for shameful gain, but do it eagerly. Did you know, see that? Don't do it out of shameful gain, but do it eagerly. Be excited about it. And then three, not domineering. So he speaks about ministry and money, and now he talks about leadership. Don't be domineering. Don't be, don't be, uh, don't beat your people down. Don't beat your sheep down. Don't strong arm. Don't bribe. Don't frighten. Uh, be an example to them. And so he's talking to the pastor. So the the shepherd's responsibility to lead, to feed, to protect. The shepherd's attitude in ministry and money and leadership. And then he says the shepherd's reward. Look at the shepherd's reward. He said, and when, the she- and when the chief shepherd appears. Now, who's the chief shepherd? Say it, say it uh, competently. Who's the chief shepherd? You got to do better. Who's the chief shepherd? Jesus Christ. He's the leader of the church. He's the chief shepherd. I'm an under-shepherd. But when the chief shepherd appears, and that's talking about his second coming, and uh, you're going to receive, he says, a unfading crown of glory. See that? You're going to receive an unfading crown. There in verse 4, you're going to receive an unfading crown of glory. A crown of glory. Um, when the chief shepherd appears, an unfading crown of glory. You know, Bible crowns in the Bible, they don't come in different sizes. You don't order ahead and say, I'll wear a six and a quarter or six and seven eights or a seven. Or you, you don't do that. There's, only, there's not a one-size-fits-all crown in heaven. 
there's only one size of crown in heaven, and that fits the Lord Jesus' head. And so whatever crown you're going to be blessed and I'm going to be blessed to receive, it's not for us to wear around and promote ourselves, but it's to take that crown and lay at the feet of Jesus Christ to worship him and to adore him. And so the pastor's going to have this unfading crown. So notice, this is your reward. I mean, the ministry you do, the way you conduct yourself, everything you do, your reward is going to be an unfading crown. Now, this brought about the question, and I was thinking about this, why do I do what I do? I don't do it for the money. I don't do it for prestige. I never wanted to be a preacher. Never wanted to be a pastor. Wanted to spend my life in retail. Really loved retail and enjoyed it. One day wanted to have my own business, but kind of like spending somebody else's there for a long period of time. And... Uh, but that's what I want to do. But see, God called me to preach. God called me to preach. And, and I do what I do because I was called by God to do what I do. It's not something I chose for a vocation. It's not something that I just woke up one morning and thought, I believe I'm going to be a preacher. Now let me say, some people do that. Some people, there's some that do not believe in the call of God on a person's life. But I've experienced that in my own personal life because I'd intended to go another direction, but God called me to do this, and it was pretty evident, it was pretty plain, this is what he wanted me to do, and so this is what I'm doing, that's why I'm doing it. So the shepherd, remember, leads the people. And then the people, if you'll notice, submits to the shepherd. Now let's look at that. Look at verse 5. Likewise... You who are younger, be subject to the elders. Likewise, you who are younger, younger men of the congregation, some say, why did he choose younger? Well, a lot of, well, the younger are idealistic, the younger are impatient, the younger are impulsive, the, the younger are brass, younger have a lot of characteristics that the older don't have, but the younger can get a lot more work done than the elder, the older can get done. And so the younger, why the younger? So the question then comes, how do you determine the younger? Who's the younger? The younger of the congregation. Who's the younger? Well, there's two different thoughts on this. First is anyone younger than the elder, anyone younger than the pastor. So if you're younger than me, if you're below 40 years old, not, not really. But if... If, if you're younger than the pastor, you're the younger. Or those younger in faith, those that are not mature in the faith, are not mature in, as quick in the faith, those are the younger. So verse 5, he says the younger, those below the pastor, perhaps, uh, be subjective or subject to the elder. Now I want to tell you what being subject is not before I tell you what being subject is. Now, when he says here to be, uh, to be subject to the pastor, um, uh, it's not an across-the-band acceptance of everything that the pastor says. Now, some people believe that that's what that's speaking of. Some pastors believe that that's what that's speaking of. But that's not what that's speaking of. When he says to be subject to the elder, 
what that is simply referring to, uh, it's not referring to that uh, if he says it, then we got to do it. That's not referring to that. The sub, being subject is to have, here it is, is to have reverence for the office and to have respect for the leader. That's what that's saying. Reverence for the office. Now, we refer to our, the President of the United States as that, don't we? We say we're, we may not agree with everything he says or does or asks us to do, but we have what? We have, we have reverence for the office. We have respect for the leader. So being subject is to have reverence for the office of elder or pastor slash preacher and respect for the leader. So when you have a disagreement and when you have a different opinion, you come with a reverence for the office and a respect toward the leader. And you work those things out. Now, with that in mind, turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. And I'm going to have to hurry. Look at Hebrews chapter 13. In verse 7, remember your leaders. Now, there again, remember, meaning having reverence for the office, respect for the leader. Remember your leaders. Hebrews 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Respect your leaders, for they spoke to you the word of God. And notice what he says. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Man, that's awesome. Respect them, for they spoke to you the word of God. Consider their way of life, then imitate their faith, their way of life. Now, this is a two-way street. This really, this really spoke to me. You're to consider, sheep, you are to consider the outcome of my way of life. I mean, you are to consider, you're to consider my marriage, you're to consider my work ethic, you're to consider my commitment to God's word. You're to consider my love for the church. You're to consider my, my serving and my zeal for ministry and for evangelism and for ministry. You're, you're to consider my, my, my willingness to disciple the believers. You're to consider all of that. You're, con, you're to consider my faith. You're to consider the outcome of my way of life, and I'm to live. Now listen, I'm to live my life where you would want to imitate my life. Wow, can you imagine the pressure on the preacher and his family? Look at Hebrews 13, verse 17. He says, obey or have reverence, have respect. That's what that means. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Have reverence. For the office, respect for the leader. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Obey, reverence for the office, respect for the leader. Why is that? Because they're keeping watch over your soul as those will have to give an account. The point being, one day... I'm going to have to give an account to God for the way that I've led Mountain View Baptist Church as its elder preacher slash under-shepherd. That's frightening to me at times. 
Every word, every decision, every action, my daily duties in ministry, how I've responded in difficult times, how I've led a church to build a building, and then after a tornado to lead them build this building, and did, what did I mess? How, how many times did I mess up? Did I do the right thing? And so one day I'm going to give an account, not to you, but I'm going to give account to the Lord Jesus. And the reason it's not to you because it's going to be more in depth with him than it would be with you. However, as we think of my responsibility, let's think about your responsibility. Look at, look at uh, chapter 10 of Hebrews, going back to chapter 10. We're about finished. I'm, I may run over just a little. But here's, here's chapter 10. Now, there's an old Russian proverb that, that says this. Without a shepherd, there is no flock for the sheep. Without a shepherd, there's no flock for the sheep. The point is, I'm the elder pastor, shepherd of Mountain View Baptist Church overseer, the under-shepherd. You're the Lord's sheep. But you're also my sheep as the under-shepherd. And I'm in charge of your souls. And I'm going to give an account for that one day. Now, however, if you want, now listen, if you want to ruin your life, if you want to destroy your marriage, if you want to destroy your family, if you want your children to live in chaos, then all you have to do is one simple thing. Separate yourself from the church. The church is the central part of your Christian faith. Please understand this, for many do not. We have somehow convinced ourselves that Christianity is an individual thing. And we do whatever we want to do, when we want to do it, and how we want to do it. But it's not individual. Church is community. God designed you and me to live in a community called the church. And there are a lot of people who claim to be sheep, but they are not part of a flock, and they do not have a shepherd in all practicality. So the point is, you are wondering outside the flock in the church and that's serious because first uh, peter chapter 5 on down to verse 8 says that there is the devil out there as a roaring lion and he's seeking whom he may devour and you're outside the flock and when sheep wander from the flock it's obvious then they become the number one target of the church's enemy, and that's the devil. And the further away you get from the flock, the more susceptible you are to being devoured by the devil. 
Now, I'm a sheep, but I'm also the shepherd, under-shepherd. But if I was just a sheep, and every time those doors, those front doors were unlocked, I'd be bursting through those doors with my Bible and a notepad for Bible fellowship. I'd be rushing in here for a time of worshiping my God, taking part in worship and praying and singing in the choir or singing with the praise team or whatever, sitting out under the Word of God, taking notes, underlining my Bible, leaving for that afternoon, coming back to be discipled as a believer, coming back on Wednesday night to pray for my family who are lost or going through crisis, instead of outside and away from the flock, doing my own thing where the devil's prowling around trying to destroy your life and what belongs to you. I'd be scared absolutely to death from being away from the flock. Ryan Whitley, Ryan Whitney, he said this. I liked it. He pastors Crossroads Baptist Church, and he pe- preached this passage of Scripture, and, um, and I got to quote from, uh, from him uh, at the beginning there. But here's what Whitley said. He said, two years ago, that's 2015, the average Southern Baptist misses worship 16 Sundays a year. The average, it, the average takes, you know, the average Southern Baptist misses Sundays 16 Sundays a year. That's four months a year. Four months. Four months. The average. Then he goes on to say, and he says, do you know what church analysts calls someone who shows up at church eight months out of a year? Unchurched. If you miss 16 Sundays out of a year, you are considered unchurched. Not inactive, but unchurched. What, what would your boss say if you missed 16 days? Unexcused absence, whatever that is. You know what would happen? You'd be fired, you know that. What would happen if your child missed 16 unexcused days in school? You know what happened? They'd flunk. Probably before that, you'd find yourself in front of a judge somewhere. And you'd be charged with contributing to the delinquents of a minor and you'd be thrown in jail. I personally saw that happen. What would happen on your team, uh, your athletic team, football, baseball, whatever, basketball? What, happened if, what would happen if you missed 16 practices? You'd be thrown off the team. But, Brother Sammy, that's work. Brother Sammy, that's school. Brother Sammy, that's different. You're right, that's different. It's not near as important as you being in church. It's much more important. That's why Hebrews 
10, 19. Look at that real quick. Hebrews 10, verse 19 says this. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place, we can go behind the holy holies. We can talk to God ourselves now by the blood of Jesus, by, by the new and living way that's opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through, through his flesh. Since he died on the cross and the, and the, <clears throat> the curtain was ripped, we have, we have an opportunity to go before God ourselves. No priest, no pope, no anything. We can go and pray. Let us draw near. Now, you have some let us statements here. Notice, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled with clean, uh, sprinkled clean, and from an evil conscience and our bodies washed, that's symbolic of baptism, with a pure conscience. Let us hold fast, there's another let us, the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works. Verse 22, let us draw near, draw near to God. Verse 23, let us, let us strengthen, let us strengthen our faith. Verse 24, let us learn to provoke one another, to stir up one another. And then look at verse 25, right after that. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, real quick, let me give you five things you miss when you miss church. Five things. You can jot them down. You say, well, Brother Sammy, you know, five things you miss. Let me say it this way. Five things you miss when you go to an Alabama-Auburn football game on Saturday and miss church on Sunday. Five things you miss when you're too tired and you worked all week and this is the only day you have, this is what you're going to miss. Five things when you're just going to miss. You're going to sleep in for whatever reason, you're going to miss. Five things, five things you're going to miss. If you stay up late, you're watching a movie, playing Xbox, and you're just going to crawl out of bed the next day, here's five things you're going to miss. If you're a believer, you're going to miss drawing near to God with other believers. You're going to miss having your faith strengthened. This is kind of like a weight room here. We lift them every Sunday. We're growing stronger in the Lord right here. And then three, you're going to miss stirring each other to love more. You're going to miss that. And you're going to miss increasing in goodness. You're going to miss that. And you're going to miss spiritual encouragement when we all come together and share how God's working and blessing in our life. And I thought of all that, and you know, I thought to myself, for this message to be real effective, I need to preach this message three more Sundays. You know why? Where I can hit everybody, where everybody can hear it. You ever preach something, say, oh man, I wish they were there, I wish they were there. I'd have to preach it three more Sundays if they miss as much as church analysts say people miss. And so you have... You have the shepherd leads the flock. You have the people submit to the elders. And then real quick, everyone relates to one another in sweet humility. Go back to 1 Peter and we'll close with this. Chapter 1, verse 5. Notice what he says. He says, Likewise, you are younger, be subject to the elders. Close yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. You know what he says? He says, clothe yourselves with humility. That word clothe there means to wrap something around, just kind of like your grandma used to put her apron on before she went into the kitchen. 
That's kind of like Jesus going up and picking up a towel and clothing himself before he washed the disciples' feet. Clothe yourself. Put, one commentator said this. He says, put on the overalls of humility. And so we need to clothe all of you, he says. You see that in verse 5? He said, likewise, he says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility, one toward another. Be humbled, one to each other. Because why? Two reasons that we need to be humble. Because God opposes the proud. Now that's serious. God opposes the proud. Now what do you think that means? God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud. God comes against the proud. God works against the proud. God fights against the proud. God opposes the proud. And then, you know what happens with the proud? Pride comes before destruction. You're being opposed by God. You're being opposed by God. And after a while, your little prideful self is just going to be humbled. My goodness. Two reasons we're to be humble. One, God opposes the proud. And secondly, God exalts the humble. He lifts us up. He brings one down, and he'll lift the other up. God sets himself up. That's good. God sets him up, himself up against anyone who exalts himself. He lifts up those who humble themselves. So pray with me this morning that we'll clothe ourselves at Mountain View Baptist Church with humility. The shepherd leads the flock. The people submit to the shepherd. Reverence for the office. Respect for the leader. And then we are to humble ourselves. To each other. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Father, thank you for an opportunity to, to share this word this morning. Help us to realize our responsibility, mine as the shepherd, the sheep as the flock. Help us to be humble to each other. This morning, Father, I pray for everyone. There's every kind of need imaginable here. And so I thank you for your word, and I thank you for an opportunity to share it. And I pray, Lord, that you'll be honored and glorified in the result of it. I know your word will not return void. It'll accomplish what it intends to accomplish as it goes forth into the hearts and minds of people. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.